Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the southernmost point of dawn to the lands of always winter, and what is west of Westeros and the shadows in the east, and tonight, at the foot of the Stepstones, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Cat Napsock for our deep dive discussion on episode three of House of the Dragon, second of his name, directed by Greg Yatini's, directed last week's episode, and he'll be back for episode 10. The writers, the credited writers, always a lot of names, a lot of Hands in the uh, kitchen, so to speak. But Gabe Finesca and showrunner Ryan Condal, who has it right now, uh, well, you can call him the solo showrunner. But for this season, Miguel Sapochnik did have a lot to do with it. This we know. We can talk about that news some other time. We're talking about the episode. And with me tonight, or for this episode, you're not necessarily listening or watching at night. We know this. It's Alden Diaz and Andres Cabrera, ace in the place. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Ace, welcome back to the show. Yeah, Rachel last week. I mean, I don't know if I can keep up with that. Oh, yeah, come on. I mean, the dream <laughs> team is when you're both here. Uh, Rachel's actually out of town, uh, and uh, uh, you know, Lauren Roma's going to be on this show to break down stuff, too, and she's sick. So, uh, you know, we're gathering more names to come in here, but don't don't you worry about that. But Alden and Andres are here with me tonight. Uh, and, uh, yeah, let's just uh, dive in. But first, as always, I'd like to do a little summary of what the episode kind of is just uh, you know, getting it all out there on the table. Three years have passed since Viserys announced that he would be marrying Allison Hightower, and the realm is ready to celebrate the name day of Viserys's firstborn son, Aegon, the second of his name. Daemon Targaryen is still off in the Stepstone, struggling to make his worth, along with Corlys Velaryn, in the way uh, of the out there on the Stepstones with the Crab Feeder and the Triarchy. Of course, Rhaenyra, the Princess of Dragonstone and named heir to the Iron Throne, is barely suppressing a rage against traditions that seem to constrict her more and more, reduce, reducing her to a pawn in her father's rule and giving her less and less agency. Viserys is out for a lavish kingly hunt. One that George R. R. Martin is probably saying, yeah, that's the hunt I wanted in season one of Game of Thrones. This is the <laughs> one. Uh, the power players around him begin to close in just as he tries harder to make everyone happy, leaving him feeling soul-crushing doubt about his past visions of his son's rightful place. Rhaenyra, Viserys, Damon, three Targaryens lost in the fires of personal tribulation. How will they emerge is kind of the big theme here tonight. Gentlemen, an overall look at this episode. Alden, I'll start with you. What are you feeling about uh, episode three, second of his name? I am in love with this episode. I was telling you guys just before we started that this for me, you know, recency bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like getting all those, all those, you know, things out of the way. I acknowledge that. But at the same time, writing so high off of this as if I too was raining fire upon the pirates on the stepstones and upon the crab feeder and his uh, many crucifixions. Uh, I think that this episode is an all timer for me across the entire on screen canon, you know, if just including this as a season of the overall mm-hmm. uh, screen ice and fire song. Uh, I think that this is uh, just 
it's everything that it could have wanted. It's part psychological thriller when you're out there and everybody's having to reconcile with their souls, uh, mm-hmm. with the world around them. You've got the am, uh, animal symbolism, all these choices. I, I mean, Patty Considine giving one of the best single episode performances across this entire journey and adventure and world. What an actor. And then that last fourth, the the war movie that is made, the Damon, <laughs> the Damon Targaryen yeah. power hour. He bookends the episode and he, he never has a line. Yeah. And M- Matt Smith went to the redeemed Ben Solo school of I don't need a line. Yeah. Uh, and it's incredible. I love that. Great point that uh, no lines actually spoken by uh, David Targaryen. Daguerrean. I almost made him a new name. It's a new relationship name. Daguerrean. Yeah, I'll kick a daze here in a second, but this is one of those episodes that I just keep buying tickets for, right? This is why I keep coming back to the show. The Mm -hmm. battle, the Mm -hmm. music, the stakes, the personal growth, the juicy intrigue combined with the cracked, dirty mirror that reflects our darker selves back at us. That's why we come to this world. You got other properties for different feelings. Like we said, talking about rings of power. No need to compare them. No need to compare pit the shows against each other. One's a stack of pancakes. One's an omelet. They're both breakfast. Let's just enjoy breakfast. And this is one of the episodes I, I enjoyed. Greg Gattini's uh, setting uh, the bar high uh, so far. Uh, and I think you can put his name up there with some of the the uh, directors whose names will live on in uh, Game of Thrones lore. Uh, more mm-hmm. to come this season from him. Excited about that. It's graduation day for N- Renera, Damon, and uh, Viserys the first. So a lot to unpack there. But Andres, want to get your overall thoughts on this episode and where you at with it. Yeah, I, I I feel like I, I might not be as high as Alden is, but I feel like overall it, it felt like two episodes, right? It, yeah. it, a very purposeful, right? Where where mm-hmm. it's one half is Rhaenyra and Viserys, and then the other half is obviously Steps Stepstones Battle and Damon. Uh, yeah. Even though I, it, we got so much symbolism throughout this episode, like a crap ton of symbolism. Yeah, but I almost feel like. There was just as much symbolism at the end with the battle mm-hmm. with Damon that yeah. there was in the beginning with the stag and the white heart and Rhaenyra mm-hmm. and Viserys. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But it, it definitely felt like two episodes. That's probably my only critique. And I don't know if that's a critique necessarily. It just felt like I was like, oh, OK, one thing, next thing, which is mm. a, a, an interesting thing they did. No, I, I don't agree with that. I, I mean, sorry, I do. I do agree with that I, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, uh, in the terms of the two um, two feelings, the two episodes, and how they play with each other, might be what this is all about. And what's interesting on, on a rewatch, I didn't have as much time tonight between the 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 second watch or the first watch and this episode recording session. So I just kind of had that. I had to do that little skip thing. Okay, this scene's a little long. I didn't want to see. I love the hunt. There's symbolism of the hunt. I don't need to see a stag brutally murdered too many times or even a boar. So I just skipped that. I love animals too much. Uh, but then I got to the fight and I, I realized uh, the battle, I should say. I was like, oh, this this is longer than I remember the first time. I thought we got a good 10-minute sequence. No, it's, you're right, Ace. It's a, it's a second part of the show. It's, it's almost its own uh, stage play. So I don't think you're wrong about that, Owen. We're going to unpack it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's do this, though, with big moments. A lot of big moments. I'm just going to run through some of the things, and then we can dive in tonight here. We got, uh, I mentioned up top, and, and this is something the creators and writers and directors were talking about here, of the, uh, I called it graduation day, but uh, rebirth. There's a image of rebirth at the end with Damon Targaryen. This is uh, Rhaenyra Viserys and Damon emerging sort of a new and sort of a new version of themselves going forward in the story, and that's very clear. It's uh, one of those things that's not even the subtext. It's the text, especially when Damon walks out at the end cover. Covered in blood, it's a rebirth. <laughs> but other things going on. Otto making moves, selling Aegon the uh, Second as as a one fated to be ruled. The ruler, Allison Hightower, working within the system as she always does, but uh, not for herself. And is that to come? Is kind of the big question. The thing that hangs over her that we might not get to uh, later. This great scene with Allison and Viserys. Um, the idea of sending help to the Stepstones and asking him, what do you believe? Because no one else actually seems to want to ask the king that. Uh, and the great question, is it better if the crab feeder thrives or is vanquished? Um, we got the, uh, the, the Viserys kind of admitting his truth. I, I, I named her heir to protect the realm from Damon. He's haunted by visions and dreams and making choices uh, based on, on those visions and dreams and the realm and others asking himself, what if I was wrong? And he's dealing with that in this, uh, the hunt, the, 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 the dueling hunts, the king's lavish hunt and Rhaenyra kind of uh, killing the boar on her own, the anger, the rage coming out there, but also letting the white heart go. So what does that stag mean for her? More importantly, what does it say mean for her to let it go? And then we get into, as Ace pointed out, almost an entire uh, separate uh, place, the Stepstone and Damon's rebirth, but the themes are going to connect with each other there. So, Andres, we'll start with you. Where are some of the big things that jump out, and where do you want to go with your discussion points tonight? Oh, no. I, I have control. Well, it's it's, the theme, the, for, wheel it's the, the theme for the episode. What do you want to do? It's okay. Just pretend to surrender and then come in hot right at the end. Yeah, exactly. Pull out my knife. <laughs> Let's let's do it. I'm gonna do. It. I'm gonna pull out my my knife and go right to the end with yeah. uh, Damon and the Stepstones because I Love feel it. like this is something that I feel like if they've been building up anything as much as any other storyline since episode one, it's this right. Yeah, we heard about the crap feeder mm-hmm. almost at the very first speaking line in this entire show. It's like one of the first things that's spoken mm-hmm. uh, in the council. So I feel like that's a very important thing to kind of close this chapter, but also dive into what the chapter was actually about what were they actually trying to say when it comes to this storyline and i felt like it just delivered seeing damon in action uh seeing corliss valarian in action and Mm. finally a full disclosure sea smoke is my favorite dragon yeah and seeing sea smoke Mm. in action had me screaming wailing (laughs) just like like I was watching yeah. a UFC fight. I was like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> I, I love that. And, and Laner Valarian too, yeah. which was cool. I, I'm going to, I'm going to let you keep going there. I want to jump in. That's great clarification for a lot of folks. This is uh, a sea smoke, uh, uh, not Caraxes. Uh, and uh, yeah, Lenor is, yeah. Uh, is a dragon rider. Excellent point. Good uh, clarification point there too. Ace, do continue with all the stuff that's going on here. It, it was just so satisfying. It was so satisfying to see 
Sea Smoke, Lenor, the Valarians in action, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like the Valarians, again, we get so much of them being teased throughout different episodes as far as yeah. Corliss explaining his background last episode and trying to get Lena married to the king and all this kind of stuff that everyone was kind of raising their eyebrows out. But now we see them in action. Now we see them have dragon riders. Now we see them team up with Damon. And then Damon having his moment as far as trying to take on take on this army by himself mm. and trying to pull out the craft feeder and then finally vanquishing the craft feeder at the end. It, it had mm. two connecting pillars that I feel like are super important in House of the Dragon. Yeah, I love this. Uh, and Alden will get you in here, but this idea of him kind of, uh, it's its a, you know, you could call it a fake surrender. Uh, they talked about, hey, they need some meat to get the crab feeder out, but it's really a, an emotional surrender. Uh, him giving up maybe his uh, his pursuits of worth, all those kind of things. You, you, you could take it a lot of different ways, of course. We're going to discuss that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, fighting his way out of that and fighting his way forward, so to speak. But to the Valarians, uh, this is an excellent point, Andres, because this is an episode of which uh, you got Lord Strong saying, you know who'd be a good, you know, partner for Rhaenyra is this real powerful family from Ovalyria as well. And we've heard that, but now I think we see it. We see it in their heart. We see it in their passion. We see it in their skills and we see it in their might. So I thought mm. it, was a, it was a great kind of a party for the Valarians as well. So... Great stuff there. Alden, get in there. What do you think about this uh, end fight and also at the beginning? Well, I think the end fight sort of crystallizes this theme that's been happening throughout. If we're, I mean, there's many characters. Um, I will give, uh, I'm not sure if she'll fit in as much in some of these huge, huge, huge points. So I'll start by saying, Allison, I love you. And I've been your defender. Um, <laughs> not that anyone I cast really talking about anti Yeah, uh, I get you. I just, I just love you, you sweet thing being taken advantage of by the world. But th- this entire um journey for this trinity of targaryens Mm -hmm. brothers and then daughter uh or niece and the way that everybody is struggling to affect the world around them but what i realized with all of them that i loved is that they're all struggling with this idea that the people that i wish loved me only love me on their terms damon loves his brother all the time his brother only loves him sometimes and i think that it's not just when he brutally attacks the messenger yeah. for for that message that age is coming a positive message it's on that first level uh this was supposed to be us the second sons getting our moment mm-hmm. don't try to steal it but i think deep down same as their throne room clash uh, in the first episode it's the you only love me when you want to yeah. And I have and I love you all the time. Rhaenyra loves her father all the time. And she feels now that she is selectively positioned, that she mm-hmm. feels that my uh, ascension to the to the status of heir was a move by my father. And it was what she mm-hmm. admits when he's finally there drunk before the fire. And then Viserys sort of has that with everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves Viserys when they want something. Everybody wants uh, loves Viserys when they think they have the best idea, but the second that he does something that's not what they think mm-hmm. is best, particularly Otto and his council, the Lannisters, we mm-hmm. get our first Lannisters here, as yes. he says later on, I can't do any decision without incurring the wrath of some other party. Yeah. I can't remember the exact quote, but that entire idea of everybody just wanting to not be a participant, yeah. which I think is very universal. Everybody, like you feel like your life's out of control and like that you're watching your own life happen. Yeah. That I think is happening to all these people. Uh, I love that. I love what you're saying there too. Just uh, this kind of the love you give and the love you receive and uh, the difference between the two uh, and how that could affect you. Rhaenyra at the beginning of the episode in the uh, carriage says that no one is here for me. 
Uh, and that's mm-hmm. true. And that's true for all these characters. Yeah. And going back to the Damon thing here, he gets this message. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like if, if Ace sent me a text and was like, hey, I'm out of gas. Can you fill up my car? And I was like, ah, here's a gift certificate to Pep Boys. Good luck getting there. Uh, it's a little yeah. bit of an effort, but I'm not all here for you. Uh, and combine that with the beginning. I love the beginning. The opening is great where you see that this, uh, the crab feeder sets him up as this, uh, you know, puts him over as this villain. We're going to, we want to take out, you see, if we've seen some of the brutal stuff already, but the sea captain, uh, spewing the words of hate at him and the, his prince, my prince is here to save me. And Caraxes, uh, <laughs> squishes him. Damon's not there to save anyone. He's there for himself. He's there to kind of prove something else. And so that's kind of the, the positioning of it there, the difference there. Uh, Andres, uh, your thoughts are on this idea of just Damon wanting to be loved all the time and this fight being how he kind of gives that pursuit up maybe. I almost saw that scene, uh, uh, maybe I read it wrong, but but I felt like that scene was also like, oh crap, like my my time is running out. Yeah. If I don't take down this crab feeder myself, mm. yeah. it's going to be embarrassing. And, and all of a sudden reinforcements are coming. I, I don't want your help. I don't need your help. I can do this on my own. Yeah. So let me do this on my own accord, grab my sword and literally go one-on-one against this entire army. If I have to, if that's what I have to do to make sure and establish my name as something worthy and as something powerful, then I'm going to have to do it because if I get help, I'm going to, I'm going to look weak. So I have to do this on my own. So I felt like that was him being like, Oh, timeline is just gotten shorter. I got to speed it up. I got to go there right now. I'm going on the boat. I I think you're absolutely, I don't think you misread at all. I think it's a combination of all here, what Alden's saying about this love and this idea. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I went there to prove my worth. We get the flashback of Corliss saying, you and I are second sons. This is, uh, you know, the only way we can do this. Uh, uh, Corliss having to carve his, uh, his worth out of the, out of the world with his nine voyages. Uh, and so, yeah, I think you're you're right, Andres. It's this idea of like, oh, this is you're you're sending me the gift card, and then if if even if we do win, you're going to hold that over me. It's 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 transactional love. I think you're absolutely right. I think it is. So that's why I look at it as a surrender of self, perhaps, and yeah. knowing that I've got to do this myself. Uh, although I don't know uh, if you want to add anything. No, on, yeah, uh, Damon on his knees there. It's just yeah, totally a synthesis of what we're all saying it's all of those things at once which i love i love people that are doing things for multiple reasons that they can say it's one reason like damon's damon's argument so far in the show has been i was your heir period but really yeah. it's the i loved you and you never appreciated me like what what's happening yeah and then what's also happening is is so game of thrones and it's so house of the dragon so far with a lot of these people and when you consider what the battle of the stepstones is everybody highlights it as this is the battle that, you know, these two morons started, these two yeah. rebels, these 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 two people that got into it for themselves. They went into business for themselves mm-hmm. to put the, you know, to, to put their own names on the map. And and Corliss, to his credit, I don't know if it's a credit, but he's been at least somewhat truthful about it. He said it at council yeah. meetings. This is about the strength of our shipping lanes, our economy, our this and that, everything that he's built. So he's not really. Uh, trying to hide his motives that it is yeah. a keep Valerian on top uh, monetarily, yeah. financially, economically, mm-hmm. um, politically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, you know, you combine that with Damon's quest and it's not a, the mad King is morally wrong. We must defeat him for we are the heroes, mm-hmm. um, which ended up being more complicated. I'm not sure if you knew, um, <laughs> but it, 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 you know, there's no, uh, the crab feeder stole my wife or the crab feeder yeah. said this, but none of that happened. This is exclusively a, you're messing with my money. And Hey, I brought my friend who's really angry. Um, <laughs> he's got a and, dragon. <laughs> he's pissed off. Yeah. And Caraxes, I mean, you know, just, just that opening, 
yeah. that night nighttime contrast with the end yeah. of you know the, the ending is the new dawn the new day it, it you know it's a different sort of visual the yeah. cave visual that happens twice yeah. of that rebirth as he happens with the crab feeder used to be there before the crab feeder is visually in his spot yeah he needs to go in there and drag him out when you get him standing there holding not even a full torso mm. Uh, no. A three fourths of a torso and some digestive system <laughs> uh, standing there with that yeah. uh, without Caraxes. It's sort of like yeah. made me think about what Matt Smith had said about Damon and Caraxes being one being. Yeah. Uh, whereas other people go and get their dragons and that's like a last resort. Damon's like, I will I'll go in their dragon. I'll go in there on foot because I am the guy. Like he really does buy into his own yeah. ethos. No, great stuff there. Yeah, the image, the the night, uh, the darkness, the long dark tea time of the soul, and and what emerges on the end. It was pretty powerful there. Uh, and and uh, side notes, uh, uh, that's fascinating, Andres, that you love sea uh, sea storm uh, sea smoke. Uh, excuse me, um, sea storms his cousin, the, the dragon. He doesn't have fire. He just he just hangs around, and smokes cigarettes. Uh, what what draws you to that dragon? I think it's the way it's described in the book as being silver. That's already like dope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a silver dragon with a very long wingspan. And yeah, then it yeah. happens to be almost like the perfect blend of what House Velaryon and House Targaryen are. Mm-hmm. The, the sea, the fire and the blood. It, it just it feels like that's the perfect fusion of what a dragon is that belongs to House Velaryon, which is yeah. that fusion of a Targaryen and a Velaryon. So to me, that that's old Valeria. Sea smoke is like a silver, crazy mm-hmm. looking dragon coming out of the fog that yeah. represents that. So, uh, yeah. and, and uh, Lenor too, and Lenor and House Velaryon. I, I just appreciate House Velaryon a lot. So, yeah, that's I love Lenor's. Uh, Lenor does like you guys call it on Force Center, Ken, cockpit acting. Yeah. He does dragon saddle acting. He was that like, was the in first it. time we've seen that too. He was really we- in it. He was yeah. like, Yeah, like usually, like Daenerys and Game of Thrones, it was well, she's always it was yeah. dread. Yeah. There was yeah, a lot of yeah. like, you know, or darkness. With John, yeah. yeah, she didn't want to be up there until the end. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this was a, I enjoy this. Well, he, he, fun. he heard yeah. Andres cheering for him. He's reacting. He's reacting to Andres cheering <laughs> That was for actually him. live. I cheered harder. I saw someone. Oh, I can't say it. I can't say it. I can't. <laughs> it's a spoiler. Oh, okay. Uh, Got it. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Great stuff but, there. But yeah, yes, go for I, it. I feel like Lenore... And see, I just love the idea of a silver dragon, House Valarian, combined with House Targaryen. Like, that's yeah. the perfect, even the name, Sea Smoke. It's like, yeah, it's, great. it's just dope. I love it. Sea mm. Smoke also sounds like a, a Bubba Gump shrimp uh, restaurant menu option. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking like, like a bag of more. chips, like a, like a pirate's booty. You buy them right next to pirate's booty. <laughs> pirate's they're like, booty. I want my, uh, <laughs> I wanna, <laughs> can I have my, my, my my salmon sea smoke. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> salmon sea smoke. Yeah. I want to talk about this intersection of uh, kind of Rhaenyra and Viserys. This hunt, the hunt that's played out here. And I made the joke up top. Yeah, for those who don't know, season one, the fateful hunt of King Robert Bar- Baratheon taken out by a boar. We also get a boar in this hunt in this episode, at least. Uh, <laughs> famously, they didn't have the budget to make 
the hunt like this one. It would have been the same. This is what a kingly hunt is like in uh, the world here, especially in George R. R. Martin's eyes. And uh, George has been on record as it's the one scene from season one I just can't stand because we had like five dudes strolling, drinking Coors Light, walking through the forest. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't supposed to be. So this mm. is more, it's an event. It's a yearly event. It's what they do. It's the king's hunt. And all the way through this, uh, we all this stuff going on with Viserys, up until even where uh, we can talk about the prophecy, the visions, and the meaning of it, but just watching him all through this episode up until his breaking point, uh, it's bootlickers, it's it's conniving power players. He can't even step off the horse. He can't even kill the stag. It is a gift from Jason Lannister, who, you know, looks a lot like uh, Hugh of the Vale, we'll point out, uh, because it is. <laughs> um, and uh, nothing, nothing is in his control. He is the most powerful man in the world, and and... He 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 can't do anything. You know, it, it, it's 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 nothing. Nothing is on his own, and no one's. That's why that scene with Allison is going. What do you feel about this? Is so powerful, and it's telling of Allison not only the game she's playing, but who she is, true of heart, uh, which is what Viserys is. So take that, and then uh, uh, combine it with what we saw with Rhaenyra running off, running off on her own. Kristen Cole, her her King's Guard, who you know they seem friendly. Um, they uh, they go. She experiences this this boar attack. Does, uh, uh, you know, yes, uh, Kristen Cole gets a sword shot in, but she kind of does it herself, so to speak, by losing uh, her her her, uh, her uh, temper, all the rage coming out, justifiable rage, stabbing the hell out of this boar, and then dragging it back into the camp like a badass, covered in blood, going, dinner's on me tonight. Uh, <laughs> there's just uh, doing it for herself. I love this intersection. That's my opening rant monologue on it there, Andres. <laughs> what do you think about all this hunting? And you can get into the prophecies of Stag and the White Heart, all the stuff in here too. Well, I mean, I, I feel like the connection, I mean, you, you guys already, uh, it's been said, uh, the connection between Damon and Rhaenyra, both ex- establishing these, these moments Mm-hmm. was a very powerful thing and, it, and it's a very clear thing it's not like you said it's very obvious yeah uh it, but i love the scene of her coming back mm-hmm. with the boar and getting those looks it's part shock it's part like respect it's mm-hmm. part like damn like it's all this combination of these kind of stuff yeah. so I, I i feel like rhaenyra is really the character that is that the entire show is established on she has probably mm-hmm. the most heart and as well as having a well-rounded idea of what it is to be a ruler as far as mm-hmm. establishing her own accord and her own actions. Like, like you said, being a king, everything is given to you. Nothing is required for you to take it on your own. So her taking it on her own and realizing she's a woman. She has to take everything on her own. Nothing's going to be given to her, especially in this world that she lives in. So that is probably the most powerful moment for her so far. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff here about agency, a lot of stuff about her, uh, the Mm. traditions. I do want to at some point talk about what I think one of the big themes that kind of has been emerging in this show, but definitely this episode of the the constrictions of these traditions. Uh, traditions aren't necessarily bad by themselves, but the past and history and the weight is just kind of suffocating all the individuals at, at play here. But Alden, your thoughts on, on uh, the hunt of it all? Yeah, I mean, building off what you just said, Andres, about the ability to do it yourself and to be able to actually take, whereas, you know, they've got this stag and they're like, it's not the one we promised, but yeah. we're all going to clap when you kill it anyway. Um, where she, Good job, King. Good know, job. <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> Took him two stabs. <laughs> uh, but the the whole idea that she has this boar 
Um, something that she expresses before they even get there makes her uncomfortable. The squeals of, of a boar mm -hmm. and how you're going to have to make the choice to lean into what makes you uncomfortable because the world's going to make you anyway. And she had that one stab and then all the other stabs are just for her. And that all the other stabs yeah. are just for that's for being ignored. That's for not being listened to at the small council. That's for her her dad's cousin dunking on her as still being a cupbearer. That's for by the tree in one of my favorite scenes in all of Game of Thrones, uh, House of the Dragon. Her and Allison with the bard, uh, Samwell, Samwell the bard of, yeah. uh, or squire, whatever his actual job is of the princess commands that you stay the queen commands that you leave mm. and how they're they're outdoing each other with their roles station is such a big thing here and Kristen cole touches on that later yeah with his you know house cole me being a kingsguard is the biggest thing that ever happened to house cole we were nothing yeah um and how that plays in but she's fighting for any bit of a role and i love things that are i love it when shows and books and tell and, and movies give us a scene that's a microcosm of the entire relationship. It, mm. We're all three of us Star Wars guys. You look at the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, Obi-Wan and Anakin training right before Attack of the Clones mm -hmm. is their whole relationship. That's yeah. why you put it there. It's the microcosm. We've been fighting the same battle since it was friendly, mm -hmm. but it's the same battle. You show these two young women by the tree and there's a broken, messed up love there now, now that mm -hmm. you're my stepmom. Awkward. Um, but also the whole situation of... Allison's like, I'm, I'm just trying to reach you as a human being. Mm -hmm. And you're pushing me to use the queen card. I don't want to, but God, mm -hmm. I will. Um, and, and that gets to that really interesting sort of groundwork. That's going to be the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Andres, you, you, you were, and I love that Alden. I love that scene too. And, it, and it's somewhat tragic to see where they begin all, you know, studying and friendly and real close. And if society would just let them be, they might've fallen in love and been two Queens ruling the land. Right. That's what I, I really do believe that some of the stuff going on there, but, but Andres, that scene, and then you would you, you said, and I, I think I, I think there's some truth. We we might know some book, uh, flat fire blood uh, book readers and lore history buffs might know where some of this goes, and and there's some thoughts on Renera, and there's a lot of thoughts on Allison and where the characters go. But we have to put that aside when discussing the show because we don't know exactly all the points they're going to hit. I, I going back to what you're saying, Andres, I, I think you're right. I think she's position, positioned at the center of this, but. Allison's right there with her, and it's how both of them are dealing with each other and this this land and this role. What are your What are your thoughts on Allison right now versus uh, Renera, who uh, you, you uh, I think are correctly saying she's centered uh, very much in this story? I'm so curious. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to answer answer the question by asking another question, but I'm so curious yeah. where Allison is going uh, in the stories necessarily when it comes to what we know she is in the book. Because in the right. book, she's very mm -hmm. much like. A little bit similar to Otto. She's like a go-getter. She yeah. knows what she's doing. She's pointing things out. She's trying to like manipulate certain situations and scenarios. And, and she's working the game and working the system just like everyone else. And she's kind of doing that for, for sure in the show. But she's much more sincere. And yeah. she uses a lot more from the heart. And you can feel like she has a lot of emotion and a lot of heart for Viserys. Regardless of whatever the intentions were from her father, it still feels like she still has this heart mm -hmm. that is absolutely sincere that she yeah. wants to use as, as, as something that differentiates, differentiates herself from her father. 
I, I love that, and, and Alden, to bring in on that there. I, uh, you said something, uh, Andres, that I, I loved, uh, and, and I'm pulling some stuff out of it there. Of you, You've got an actor right now, Emily Carey, and, and they're just taking a big bite of this role. We know Olivia Cook's coming uh, a little bit later on, and I'm fascinated. And on, on a audio-only version this week, I released uh, one of our, our de- uh, dedicated longtime listeners, Tamor, checked in just with some great questions about Allison and what she might want, and I think – there's something because yes, I'm familiar with Fire and Blood. I've read it. I know kind of the history, and we've even gone the press going into this was uh, Allison's not unlike Cersei Lannister, but then also don't pigeonhole her as a villain. We're going to see how she might get to that spot where she makes some tough decisions. Emily yeah. Carey right now is inserting so much heart and sincerity, like Andres is saying, Alden, that I just yeah. uh, I, I'm I I know might know some of the facts, but I just want to know how it plays out, how that heart is going to deal with some of the the tough stuff that's still coming down the line. It's an interesting thing, right? And, it, and so much of it is your viewing experience like it always is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our mutual friend Alex Backus always calls it the chemistry of like the chemistry of your viewing experience mm-hmm. is changes everything. So if you're already endeared to this performance, you're going to find things. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I found was she is the only person to not refer to him as your grace. She changes right. it to my love. Mm-hmm. And it's when he's drunk standing there by the fire and she says, my love. And mm-hmm. it, you know, with that Cersei comparison in my mind, when Cersei calls Robert Baratheon, my love, it's a duty thing. I'm playing the wife. I'm in pain. This is awful. Yeah. They are both coming from places. Their comparisons are functional, right? Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. That comparison to me is functional. They are both young women used as pawns by their fathers to get into higher station um, but Cersei latches on to bitterness and Alicent so far is latching on to some hope that she might be able to iron things out and that they can be the Targaryen high towers, like mm-hmm. that, that can be a functional thing. I think she still has some of that youthful, um, yeah. hope in her, that desire for a unified front that Otto clearly is not interested in. And he keeps using her, uh, her kindness against her, but she is yeah. devastated and heartbroken. I mean, some of the small looks, um, mm-hmm. just inside of the camp at the hunt, inside of the big tent that they set up for yeah. for dining and everything, re- seeing the way that she can't, she's not sitting up there with Viserys. There is no second seat. Right, right. Um, and she's, but she's over here with the ladies of whom she was thrown into. And then she also doesn't get, to, doesn't wasn't walking around. I mean, she is very pregnant, uh, but she's not walking around with Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. Rhaenyra, who will dunk on the old ladies. And will let her truth yeah. be known. Like, what do you do except eat cake? Yeah. Um, shout out to that little pug. Their pugs are canon. Great, great pug. pug. Uh, <laughs> pugs are in this world. Pugs are canon in this world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there were quite a few different dogs. I was very happy to yeah. see all of them. I hope they all thrived and were fed pork. <laughs> um, but the, the 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 way that she's sitting there as a participant again in mm. both her husband's life and her former best friend's life, it's devastating. So I think that it's. It's a comparison that makes sense, and I get why people say it, especially because Olivia Cook, you know, said Shut I auditioned yeah. with Lena Hades lines. But yeah, it's uh, it's really sad. So to build on what you said, Andre, is like, where is she going? I think that she's. They're all tragedies in a way. I mean, Viserys. Not to completely launch us into a different topic, but I mentioned the chair. Mm-hmm. Viserys here, I think, highlights and underlines, and the staging and the directing, the set design itself, underlines what Game of Thrones was saying at the end when Drogon burned the Iron Throne. Like there's all this suspicion and we've seen him get cut by it now two episodes prior. Yeah. But in this one, he's in a completely different chair, but still the seat of the king, yeah. still unhappy. It has nothing to do with this prophesized chair. Mm. It's about people. 
it has always been about people. Yeah, we're gonna get to get to that great stuff there. No, and 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 even going back to your point, Ace, of just like you know, an actor comes in, writers, directors, producers, but an actor comes in and takes some thoughts to set and breathes not new life but different life into the character. We saw that uh, with Shay, right? Uh, George R. R. Martin's been on the record many times that uh, Sibel uh, Kikili uh, is the the one that changed the way he viewed his own character in a lot of ways. He's talked about always hearing Aidan Gillen's voice when writing Baelish now, but and that's, you know, the way it's going to be. But that's a great example where she might be doing that. We'll see where it ends up. And Olivia Cook comes in in an episode or two and, and is going to take it in the direction she goes. But I, I just think it's a great observation, Ace, that there's such warmth and sincerity in Allison that's uh, sometimes maybe not on the page, right? And this is what's fun about watching it play out. Um, looking yeah. here, uh, I, want, I want to talk to you guys about the scene with, with, I loved the exchange with Kristen Cole and the connection between them. Um, you know, there's, there's some heat, we know this, but also there's a real, uh, you know, warmth, uh, and intimacy between them in terms of just being able to talk. And I love that scene. It was a great little moment where everything, cause she's, this show's not been shy in what it's saying about, this patriarchal system, uh, what it's doing to not just the women, but let's not forget the uh, the, the the less fortunate of the land, right? Uh, I, I really, I still love that last scene last week with Masaria. I, I loved it. I heard some people talking about it, and maybe not everyone loved it, but I just loved what was the core of that scene with Damon, where she's like, "I know you think you're strong, you can protect me. I get it, but I didn't come to you for all this power. I came for you to remove fear from me, and you unknowingly, this man of privilege and power, put me in in danger." And so you got a lot of justifiable uh, mm-hmm. rage, justifiable, just uh, any, anything Renera's feelings justified. But I love that she points that out. Uh, but Cole, Kristen Cole reminds her of her her own position and privilege, which she says, well, no one, no one's been in this. So they don't, they, you know, they don't know my troubles. And again, she's not wrong. We know this. Yeah. But I love that he points out, like you said earlier, Alden, uh, Without you, I'd I'd be I'd, I'd marry a common woman, and this, hey, maybe I'd be happier. But you gave me station. That's your power, your privilege, and that makes me think, what's Renera going to do with that? Because at that moment, she starts to realize, I think it it uh, who she needs to fight for. Reminded of her true place, and she's first on the list, maybe, and then the rest she can do some other kind of things for her realm. Uh, yeah. Again, wondering where they take that. I wonder if you guys have any thoughts yeah. about Kristen Cole here. No, I think that what you just said about how she's saying nobody's been in my position. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Like she says in the carriage right there, no one's there for me. And she's going on and on and on. Then you have this guy saying, you know how many people out there would, you know, kill to be in your position or or would love to be in your position, whatever the quote was. And the best thing about this again, is that both are true. And it's something that I remember having that realization that I'm sure you both had as a kid, Andres, you know, having a Latin family, you sit down for dinner, you don't eat all your food. They get on you if you don't eat all that food. Right. And then sometimes your mom and dad remind you that there are starving children other places that don't have that food. And while that's true, it still doesn't make sense to the child that they're being forced to eat it. Mm-hmm. And it still doesn't change the way that you feel, the fact that other people are suffering. And they're both mm-hmm. true. Other people are suffering, and that is bad. But at the same time, I'm here, and I don't want to eat this food. Uh, mm-hmm. and, those are, and that's my immediate problem. And it's very hard to reconcile a worldly view with a very personal view. And I think that that's something that they're all struggling with. Viserys' whole thing is trying to reconcile a worldly view with a kingly view, with a personal view. Uh, Otto has that moment where he tells him, you know, you're, you're, you're the king. She'll do as you command. And he's like, I don't want to command. I'm yeah. not in the business of commanding my kid. I didn't right. want that to be the way that my mm. life went. So. Mm. 
Great stuff there. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I was going to make a joke about being raised uh, Russian and being told uh, <laughs> doesn't count. Doesn't count. <laughs> I half made it. Yeah. There we go. Uh, on, on the, <laughs> you were like, I'll I give you the idea, the premise of the joke. <laughs> you know, I, my grandparents were Ukrainian and Circassian. I it was constantly reminded to eat, eat, eat because there's no food back in the old country. And I'm like, well, I'm not in the old country, uh, which I was, a, you know, yeah. maybe a a spoiled kid, but uh, Eddie, uh, Andres, I cut you yeah, cut uh, cut out your time there. I'm sorry. What what your thoughts? Uh, any thoughts on Kristen Cole? And what he's saying this position of power and, and privilege conversation. You know what I like about the Rhaenyra Kristen Cole relationship so far is that this entire episode almost kind of sets up this intimate moment, and by intimate, I mean like more intimate. Mm-hmm. And yet it never goes there. It feels like a much mm-hmm. more emotional and yeah. almost station-like respect that Rhaenyra has towards Kristen, where she's not necessarily so much attracted to just his looks, which in the books, it feels like it's that's what it mm-hmm. is initially. Mm-hmm. But here it's like she's attracted to who he is as a person, his honor, his respect, his, him yeah. coming from a, a common house, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Ha- establishes a connection there that makes it feel a lot more sincere mm-hmm. than it would it be a, a teenage girl having a crush on a random yeah. guy who she thinks is hot. Right. She loves an underdog. Yeah. She yeah. loves the underdog story, I think, of Kristen. I think that she fancies herself. I mean, she wants to go across the sea and eat cake all day and have an adventure. Yeah. And I think that she likes the fact that she got to have a part in like this new young knight who comes from nothing. I think she, ro- I think she romanticizes that a lot. Yeah, and plus, not for nothing, not not for nothing. He's hot, so there you go. Um, that's 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 yeah. not there. That's not not there. Um, but um, it it's he sees her as her, right? Not not as the heir. He's got to protect her as the heir and the princess. But I think uh, what I gra- gather from this is there's been three years of him seeing Renera as Renera, and, and she absolutely yeah. is going <laughs> to respond. And when the other guy is. Jason Lannister and his scene with her, uh, you know, that there's a great contrast that happens there um, on many levels. Yes. I'm a lower born. I'm a man of color. Uh, I am this, that, and the other thing, underdog story, X, Y, and Z. And here comes white money squared. There's two of two them, of them. Here, over here um, who we know will one day be yeah. in Valerian's spot as yeah. wealthiest and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and his whole thing is, well, let me talk to you for 45 seconds and then declare my plans. Uh, zero yeah. emotional intuition whatsoever. Uh, yeah. And, and Jefferson Hall is the performer uh, doing both roles. I thought he was great in that he kind of made your skin crawl like a Lannister already. We're kind of rooting against him. Uh, but also he is Sir Hugh of the Vale from season one of Game of Thrones. Uh, and at first I remember I forgot he was casting this and his face popped up here in the episode uh, with Thailand. And I thought, ah, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a weird decision. But then, then Game of Thrones has a history of making interesting casting casting decisions or reusing an actor every now yeah. and then. Tommen, yeah. uh comes. So I don't know. I liked it a lot. I love that scene too. Yeah, it is. It is the the two opposites here. What's uh, she's going at? And I love the moment where she's just immediately like, "Cool, thanks for the drink, you douche." I'm getting I'm yeah. getting out of this party. And you know that he like really planned that line too. He's like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna oh, sail a dragon me. pit." Oh. And then she's going to say, why do you need a dragon pit? And I'm going to seal the deal. And it's, it's God, so lame. These are, these are, you know, 
uh, we've got to fight men like these. We've got to clear our ranks of men like these. That's what I think. Truthfully. truthfully. Oh. I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for uh, the, the younger strong with the bad leg. That's who I'm rooting for. That's, that Larissa, seems like a normal yeah, guy. Larissa, yeah. Yeah, Larissa, yeah. yeah, Larissa, yeah absolutely. Uh, Andre, sorry. <laughs> you had some thoughts there? I, I mean, I, I can't get into it because it's in the book. Yeah. But... Uh, I'm I'm just curious what they're going to do when it comes to the relationships of Rhaenyra mm-hmm. uh, in the future, and I feel like that's a, a major thing because I'm I'm definitely curious if they'll change it. Yeah, I, I I never had that doubt until this episode and the preview for next episode. Right, but after seeing that, I'm just like. Maybe yeah. they'll they'll change something because there's a lot know. of speculation. Without getting into it, Fire and Blood will be like. Maybe her first, you know, intimate encounter was this, but it also could have been this. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Like it, it, they do a lot of that with mushroom. Well, yeah, mus- yeah mushroom. It comes a lot of it comes from mushroom, who is, uh, you yeah. know, understandably not part of this show. Uh, Did but- you think for yeah. even a second that that bard was mushroom? Did it cross your mind? Nah, you no, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> but maybe, maybe. What uh, uh, we have about uh, uh, a little under ten minutes left in tonight's recording session here, so I want to get to one of the big things uh, that's at play this episode. And this um, this idea of uh, fate and destiny. Viserys always with the dreams. He's a toy collecting, dream weaving fool, and I and I do love him for it. Uh, <laughs> I do love him for him there. Uh, and, and and this idea that he's 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 had, he's already talked about a lot of visions. Again, this is like you know much like Renera's like I get it. You and mom met when you were ten and seven. I did the ten you know seventeen years old. I get it. There's a lot of that, but there's I, there's got to be some of these people rolling their eyes. They're like Viserys in his dreams, man. This guy's just he's he's just too much with it. But what it means, and, and and prophecies and dreams in this story and in this world are always talked about, always discussed, and how you react to them. I love what's going on here because this this hunt scene, this brutal killing of the stag, it's not the stag, right? It's not the white heart stag. He goes through this thing and there's this uh, relief. And, and Ryan Condoling, I think, was talking about it too after the show of there's a relief. Like I, I had this vision and I, uh, the white stag, this might mean my son is supposed to be the one on the throne. It's not him. Oh, good. That vision isn't true. It is going to be Renera, and he spurns him to make a tougher decision with Renera, which I think is a little bit more about him doing things for himself. But yeah. then the stag, the white heart is there, and, and, and Renera sees it and lets it go. Um, Kristen Cole pulls out a sword. No, no, lets him go. I just love uh, the this vision, this dream, and what it might mean and how you can interpret those things and make decisions based off what you think fate is telling you to do. And we always believe that destiny is just what brings you to the next big choice. You have to make that yourself. Uh, so fascinating stuff. Andres, your thoughts on old Viserys and his dreams. I mean, this is what he does. Viserys, yeah. his Legos and his dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, hey, talking hey, to his hey, wife, like I, I was listening to a I, podcast. I feel, I feel attacked here, Andres. I feel attacked here. <laughs> There's, I, I really wanted to make a meme of someone showing off their lego set and it's like yo this is how i bag my girl showing <laughs> yeah. off this lego it's like a huge lego connection uh i think there's like a bunch of tiktoks on that yeah but, uh, this is a lego but, set of where my grandpa used to live it's awesome <laughs> but i feel like there's also a self-awareness to who viserys is right he, i feel mm-hmm. like he has this self-awareness where he feels like mm-hmm. i'm a targaryen i can be either a psycho or a, or a good sturdy king 
And yeah. he's trying so hard to be that good, sturdy king and to not be that psycho. So I feel like the dreams are another example of him to try and avoid certain decisions and to try and avoid the past. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like maybe Magor might be crawling into his head as far as like an example of what he doesn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And he wants to be much more Jaharis. And I feel like those dreams are something that he kind of grasps onto mm-hmm. to really try and be like, this is what I want to try and shape and mirror my life around and not uh, a a negative aspect of what the Targaryens can be. Mm. I I think that's great. Lego sets and all. I think that's uh, that's a great look at it. Uh, A lot going on in that head of his. And, uh, you know, he does end up all done in a spot where he says to Rhaenyra, you will not be supplanted. And I believe he means it. A lot's going to happen. And others might be a lot that he's not around for, as he even says in this episode. I'm not going to live forever. Uh, But your thoughts on on this stuff? Because I'm fascinated by this idea. We all have those ideas of, I have a gut feeling uh, I should do this. And that's really a decision. That's a choice you make. Uh, And then how much do you, I'm called to do this. And where's the line of, uh, you know, taking it too far, believing your own hype, or misreading things and making uh, the situation worse for yourself. A lot going on in that head of uh, of Viserys, including the Legos. Yeah, I mean, it's a a burden to feel like, you have to dissect everything, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, he is now seeing this brown stag, this, you know, still impressive, still mm-hmm. everyone will clap, but mm-hmm. um, it's a compromised situation in and of itself because for however many days they were there, it kind of looks like two days, they were all about this idea of Otto Hightower and the scouts having seen the white stag and everything and what that meant. And mm-hmm. before dragons, it was this. And uh, for those of you playing at home after dragons, it will be the stag again. Um, And, 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 you know, a little irony there for them, but it's the, it's the idea that, Oh, it's this Brown one. And once again, you've all given me something that was kind of not what you sold me and I will still engage in it. And I will try to find this message in it. It's like, I I understand totally what Condal's saying about relief Mm -hmm. and who am I to argue with the man that wrote it. But I would, I would add to that. It's a relief that he has to choose. He has to choose relief after a moment of disappointment. Mm. He has he has a choice between optimism and cynicism, and he makes the active choice to see that moment and say, "Oh, it's brown, but but Rhaenyra, mm-hmm. that's that's still good." And still good. Still a good. lot of people, mm-hmm. yeah, and a lot of people, you know, bent the knee, and that's all great. But like he says, "I won't always be here," and it's like, buddy, you can swear on Amos Grave all you want and that's beautiful and i mean and that's lovely but it means nothing if the other the people aren't on the same page as you and if they're not giving you what you need and frankly they're giving you a lot of brown stags dude in kind of every way and not a lot of white stags and then for her to see it and let it go and choose mercy she had her moment of rage with the boar and i think that's her saying not only do i not want to revisit that low mm-hmm. again that just happened to me the previous evening but i want to be the one that you know i would i wouldn't say it goes as far as like our boy john 200 laters i don't want it i don't think it's that yeah she definitely does want it but i think it's it's a moment of it has to be my way i'm not going to bring in the stag that way they can all cheer and then shove me out of the way and find a way to clap for my dad and Otto. yeah it's my boar is my boar, even if it's not as impressive as the stag they wanted. I'll bring the small pig before I bring you the glory. I, I think we could have titled this episode Brown Stags and Your Own Personal Boar. 
think that's what we're I'm just... a personal Borg guy, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen watching. <laughs> Find your personal board. <laughs> Find your personal board. It all leads to the final big point here. This episode, as uh, they said uh, after the fact in, in the post-credits uh, uh, inside the episode, uh, which I think are fun to watch. Some people don't like them. I, I think sometimes they are very, you know, hey, here's the scene. We're going to describe the scene. But I think that helps. I think a lot of people don't watch the shows in that way. But I love what Condal and everyone was kind of saying. Uh, I used the term Graduation Day, which is also a great Chris Isaac song from the late 90s, Graduation Day. Do you guys both think that these characters, and Allison, Otto, they're all there as well. I think there's some great Allison stuff in this episode. By the way, she's the one that kind of gets in the king's ear and makes him go, yeah, you're right. I am going to kind of reaffirm myself and reaffirm my decisions. But do you think Rhaenyra, uh, do you think Viserys I and Damon, have they uh, successfully emerged anew? And what do you think that's going to mean for these two char- three characters going forward, especially into next week? Andres? Uh, yes, I feel like Rhaenyra and Damon. <laughs> I keep trying not to spoil things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a, a connection lot. there. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, and I feel like it's purposeful showing you these two characters and where, yeah. where they are and where they're coming from and these two scenes yeah. as as not just having moments, but also being leaders and rulers and and the different ways to lead and rule. And I feel like that's also very purposeful with these two characters, as far as describing what they are and how they view different situations. So yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Building off of that. Yeah. Just building off of that. I'll say they're all, you know, born anew and change and they've become the roles. Um, they've, They've started to fill the roles that they will fill as we head toward the dance and Condal says like, you know, this is the beginning or maybe it, maybe it wasn't Condal, but in that after thing, it says, you know, the, this is the daemon that's going to be the daemon going forward. Yeah. yeah. When he emerges and we see a little bit of that in the preview for the next time, it's, you know, the mythic symbol of cutting my hair. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's showing up short hair. I'm the king of the narrow sea now. Didn't you hear? Yeah. So he has become the daemon that is the problem that they all feared anyway, even without the iron throne. So he's emerged there. Rhaenyra has become the Rhaenyra that will lead and become the central figure of the blacks. That's what the boar is. That's what, you know, dragging that into camp is I'm here and now I'm a problem too, Mm -hmm. um, in -hmm. a very rock and roll way. And shout out to the one guy at camp that seemed into it. The (laughs) one guy at camp that was like, hell yeah. The one progressive guy. Uh, And then (laughs) they, they let the camera linger on that guy for a second. And then Viserys, literally uh being hung over and then also hung over <laughs> a hangover of the soul yeah the wine the wine was too good and i think that the wine was the status of king yeah. you're sitting there that hangover was mean my man was he had maesters in there yeah standing there yeah. when she came in and he was uh <laughs> broken i yeah. think that i think it broke him he he did not enjoy a single moment with his no. toddler son no. at this thing he didn't enjoy any moments with allison and I think that he's come back change. Yeah, for sure. I wish uh, I wish I had some maesters with me on f- Saturday mornings going, it's called hair of the dog, sir. And you just yeah. <laughs> drink this down. Uh, love it. Well done. Well said. Yeah, I think the three of them have emerged. Um, uh, reborn indeed, uh, in, in almost quite literally. Uh, they, uh, Renera and Damon can exchange covered in blood stories, though Damon might win this round. Great action, big episode, wonderful music. Uh, music. Ramin Juwadi uh, 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 just absolutely uh, uh, once again uh, setting the tone. 
The Valarans coming out strong. Allison in, in a position of uh, power, though she's still constrained by this world. And Otto making some moves and the pressure from his family. A lot there, a lot going forward. Uh, we will discuss it when we get there. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. Uh, I think I'm just, gl- just glad to be on an episode and not have my computer go completely haywire. But hey, all then you and Rachel had a great discussion about the first two episodes of Rings of Power. You can go catch that here on the YouTube channel or the podcast, or you can listen to an audio only version of me giving my takes on it. Uh, just in case you're one of the two people that want to hear that, you can subscribe to us here on YouTube. Give us a like, hit that subscription notification button, help us get over a thousand subs so we can help partner this channel. Don't forget to subscribe, listen to the podcast, and rate and review wherever you wa- uh, listen to it. You can follow me at Cadnapsock or go to my website, Cadnapsock.com. Alden, where can they find you, sir? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Alden Diaz, talking Star Wars on Octo Radio, also on the One and Done Film Club. Uh, got the Ryan Johnson interview coming up on Potathon September 17th. So look forward to that. Look forward to lots of Andor coverage. And then, yeah, continuing to cover both shows here, Rings of Power. Go check that out if you haven't checked out Rings of Power yet. Uh, it's not a comparison thing, but go give that a try as well if you're just here as a Th- uh, Thrones fan. And uh, if you ever have the opportunity to talk Tolkien with uh, Rachel Cushing Levine, you should do that because it is so choice. It is choice. Andres, you got a lot of things to do. You got to get on out of here, do some more great stuff. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Squad Leader Ace and First Cut at First Cut, First Cut on YouTube and First Cut TMO on Twitter. Check out Andres. Check out First Cut. He's one of my favorites. Love having him around here. Alden, you know, he's all right. I like that guy too. We're going to keep doing a lot of stuff together here on this channel. Thank you all. We'll see you next week here on Casterly Talk. Mm-hmm.